The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday. It's our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. And before we get started, I want to tell you that I've written a book. Yes, I know a lot of you know that, but it's on sale now. It's a memoir called The Family Outing. It's all about how my entire family came out of the closet, and it launches this fall. But you can buy a signed copy now by searching for it on booksarmagic.com. Or just pick up a copy anywhere you buy books. I hope you'll check it out. And now, our show. We're in the midst of a gender revolution. More and more of us are rethinking our relationships to our gender. We're asking to be identified in ways that better reflect who we understand ourselves to be. And the world is following suit. I mean, just consider that on LinkedIn, when you sign up now, you have five options to identify your gender. And they include both non-binary and self-describe. Today's guest is uniquely positioned to help us understand this movement. Chloe Freeman identifies as a Black, queer, non-binary person. Their pronouns are they, them, and as an actor, they often get to play non-binary characters. But Chloe is also an entrepreneur, and that's what we're going to talk about today. They founded a wellness company for queer people. And Chloe tells this amazing story about raising money from a venture capitalist, a white, cisgender man. I said to him, you know, all genders have periods. And he said, what? This statement, it got the guy's attention. And Chloe was able to raise funding for their company. It's called For Them. One of the biggest reasons that queer people don't have more products and services developed for us is because many people misunderstand who we are or how substantial our numbers are. Today, I'll talk with Chloe about the great opportunity in serving a niche market of people who are just not at all served. But to start, I asked Chloe if we could understand their life experience a bit more. Here's Chloe. I'm going to split my coming out story in terms of sexuality and gender. Um, I think we loop all those together and we assume one huge, huge coming out, which is not my experience. <laughs> when I was uh, 18 or so, I, I started to date women um, and I thought, uh, this is me. I, I, I went through a bit of bisexuality and, and I moved straight through <laughs> to <laughs> I am gay. I am gay 100%. I love women. This is, this is who I am. And uh, that was awesome. My friends were super accepting. My family struggled a little bit at first. Uh, I think back then, um, I think they were just quite shocked, which I was quite shocked Where about. did you grow up? Um, I, grew, <laughs> I grew up in Liverpool in the UK. So you were, you were shocked that they were shocked? Yeah, I was like, look at me. I'm soups gay. What are you talking about? This is, this is, I thought that I was wearing it on my soul and on the outside of my body, but apparently I was not. And that made it a little tough for me. I wasn't sure what it meant. I was like, okay, I'm gay. Should I still force myself to be super femme? Should I be really butch? Because that's what I see. You know, some people being on the L word, like, where do I sit? And so that was a really big exploration for me to understand what that really meant 
um, both, to be honest, inside intimately uh, with friends and partners and family, and then outside in the world, how did I want to be? I think that external expression, it's, it is, it's a wonderful mirror for what's going on inside you when you come out. But when you come out, you start with modeling the images you have in front of you and figuring out what fits. And I feel like there's this training wheels period to coming out where you, you know, I, I had a shaved head for a while. I had a, an eyebrow ring. <laughs> and then I went, the, I went the other way and right. I was like lipstick every day and quaffed hair right. until I finally figured out what it felt like to be me. Right. Exactly. And this is why I'm sort of obsessed with, with this idea of authentic self. You know, what does it feel like? What does it look like? How do I want to move through the world? And certainly uh, my sexuality was just one step into the right direction. And then I started to understand that actually my gender was a little bit more fluid. And at the time I thought complex than, than I thought. And I started thinking about what does it mean if I don't feel like a woman and I don't feel like a man? Uh, I didn't have the label for it at the time, but I just sort of knew that um, I certainly had a little bit of dysphoria, which that's in my own personal experience and is not uh, prevalent in, in everybody that is gender non-conforming. But for me, I had a bit of dysphoria and that was my first sort of insight into um, gender expansion or gender non-conformity. Um, and I've just been... Um, exploring, questioning, learning, talking to people in the community. And I finally got to a place where I understand who I am. Yeah. Well, so what are your pronouns? They, them. And does that question annoy you? Is that the kind of question <laughs> that people who, no. who don't live in a community where gender is part of every, every conversation, like they always start to be progressive and good citizens of the world? No, absolutely not. It does not annoy me. Always ask everybody pronouns. I think it's beautiful. It, it feels quite politicized, actually, at this point. But I see it as this wonderful expression of self uh, to the outside world and also this like beautiful respect um, between folks that don't know you. And so, yeah, my my soapbox moment is ask people's pronouns. I I love that. I appreciate that. I encourage that. Now, let me ask you, how do you think about the relationship between what it means to be transgender and what it means to be non-binary? Yes, this is a wonderful subject to discuss. This is something that we're trying to sort of catch up on in terms of the English language and labels. I think some of my trans friends, some of my trans non-binary friends, um, identify as transgender, even though they are not, uh, they do not sit in a binary of identifying as a trans man or a trans woman. Um, I think that there is fluidity around the label. I think there is more and more fluidity in the community. And I think that we're playing a little bit with language, if I can be honest. I mean, we haven't quite uh, nuanced each individual's expression in terms of uh, how we label them. I so hear that. And I just want to amplify that idea that we are in the midst of, I mean, I'm going to call it a revolution. We are in the midst of rethinking what gender could mean. And there are not succinct labels that, that work for anyone or everyone, right? And those labels, by the way, are morphing and emerging all the time. Right. And I know you know this, Chloe, and I know a lot of our listeners know this, um, but my brother is transgender and he's a dad. He's 40 years old. He has a couple of kids. He came out for the first time around 24 and um, growing up, he danced point ballet 
and loved it. He never felt out of sync with who he was. He described his shift in gender as simply opening up the aperture so that he could become more authentically who he was. It wasn't about throwing away anything for him. It was about adding more levels and dimensions. And if you ask him right now, are you a boy or are you a girl? First of all, he'll raise his eyebrows and be like, Jesse, are we talking about this again? <laughs> um, then he's like, why does it matter so much to you? Why do we, why do we have to keep talking about this? hundred percent. I think, by the way, that is so beautiful. Um, how he describes that is very inspiring to me. I think that is exactly what we're driving towards, or I think we should drive towards, which is this expansion and fluidity and challenging the binary norms. To go back to language a little bit, we don't have the nuances of vocabulary to describe the lived experience that we're evolving to. It still feels pretty reductive. Like we, for example, we use man, male, masculine interchangeably, and these things are distinct, right? You know, the gender role, right, being the man, the, the autonomy uh, would be male, and then this this masculinity, which I describe as sort of energetic presence, right? I think these like nuanced layers of self, um, how these are the things that like all come together and, and describe how I wish to be related to in the world. And I think we're just starting to explore words and labels around that. I don't usually start by asking guests to share their coming out processes, but in this case, it's important because Chloe's experiences and their community relate so closely to this really cool business they've started. I'm the founder of For Them. We are redefining wellness for queer and gender fluid folks. The binaries of gender and sexuality are dissolving. Lifestyle products and services are built with a heteronormative lens and our community is underserved or often completely not served at all. And so we're just here to listen and build the products and services that they need in order to change that. That is a wonderful elevator pitch. But here <laughs> I want to back up. When you say our community yes. is underserved and you talk about wellness, mm -hmm. I think that most people who aren't part of this community or don't touch it directly may not understand its size. Mm -hmm. So help me understand, like, who are we talking about? Well, I remember when I first pitched this two and a half years ago, uh, the word niche kept getting used as a response to my pitch. Um, and I think that is the general niche community. Niche. niche community, niche. How many people are actually queer? Uh, well, a lot of people. A lot of people are queer. This term queer is this huge umbrella term of folks that just feel a little bit more expansive. If you reframe your mind, to think about that, then actually this is a really large and growing community. I think traditionally as humans, we gravitate towards certainty and binary and labels and we're slowly pushing towards like expansion and fluidity and this like evolution of self. That's like who we're serving and that's what we're driving towards. There's a growing group of people, disproportionately younger people, who understand themselves as part of the fluidity that Chloe describes. For the most part, their options for taking care of themselves are limited to the same kinds of tools that people had in the middle of the 20th century when they were closeted and hiding. Here's an example you may have heard of. Binders. Let's say you have a body that grows breasts, but that creates dysphoria, a profound discomfort in your own skin. 
Until recently, your option to bind your chest was the same ace bandage you might keep in the medicine cabinet for a sprained ankle. It's unsafe. Yes, it works, but it can also restrict breathing and crack ribs. Well, Chloe needed to bind. I needed this product. It was a high need. I would use it, wear it, feel like I couldn't breathe, feel like I couldn't move. I do a bit of acting. And so, you know, nothing is more important for an actor than being able to be in their skin, move around, be free in their movement. Um, And it was a real struggle for me. And so the whole business was basically born out of this need. So we created the binder is what we've called it. It's a completely recycled material. You can move in it, you can breathe in it. Um, It's been really revolutionary for the community. Um, I read these messages that come through from our members that have worn it for the first time it's really emotional. You know, it's really changed. Uh, certainly the way I move through life every day, it's pretty much removed my chest dysphoria, which is really, really powerful. Um, and I just really hope that it's, uh, that it's just as impactful for everybody else. So I really love the story of how you developed the bind, um, because you, you actually pulled from another community of people, uh, who, who need this tool in order to be able to work. Performers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I heard through a friend that Misty Copeland, who is an amazing ballerina, um, was asking uh, to have a designer create a bra that she could dance in. Her problem was that she needed her chest to stay still, but she still needed to breathe and move, obviously, as a ballerina. This sort of a light bulb went off in, in my head, and I was like, wow, this essentially, with a few tweaks, could be a binder. It could be the kind of binder that the community really needs. So I tracked down the designer, an amazing woman called Rada, and I sat with her and really spoke to her about the the problem and what I thought to be the solution and asked her, is this possible? Could you bind my chest and still allow me to breathe and to move? And could I wear it all day and it be safe? And she, she essentially said, yes, we can do this. I wanted to make sure that we really connected with the community and we made a binder that was available for all sizes. And so we used a lot of trans and non-binary folks. Um, They came into the design studio, we measured them, we tried different types of binders, we iterated the design over and over and over um, until we got to the point that um, I believe we had a product that was good, that the community loved, and we recently launched it. We're going to take a quick break here when we come back. More with Chloe Freeman. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back. I met Chloe this spring at a party for female and non-binary entrepreneurs and funders. And one of the reasons we met is that for them is venture funded. It's a big deal to be funded. It's hard to get that kind of money, to get that kind of buy-in. There's anticipation that the market is big and the company will grow. I asked Chloe to share their experience meeting venture capitalists. Yes, <laughs> it is impossible <laughs> to get venture funded. It is so tough out there, especially for underrepresented folks, especially for POCs, and especially with a niche product or what people perceive to be a niche product. I was very lucky from the outset. I had, um, honestly, a mentor believe in me. I uh, met two mentors, um, Henrik Wordlin and Nicholas Thorne. So they run an entrepreneur shop called Prehype. And their sort of sole mission is to help entrepreneurs find problems that they really care about, that they want to solve and help them do that. You know, they were so open-minded. This was three years ago now, maybe two and a half, three years ago. And I was just exploring problems that I had in my community that were really personal to me. I went to Henrik uh, <laughs> and I said to him, you know, all genders have periods. And he said, what? <laughs> that, was, that was the first line of your pitch. That's what I said. That's what, it was this verbal pitch. I went to him. He's a, you know, cis, straight, white male. Um, and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I identify as non-binary and AFAB, which means assigned female at birth. And so I have a period. I don't love, <laughs> it feels very dysphoric to go into CVS and buy tampons that are pink and flowery and that don't really speak to who I am and who I want to be moving through the world. And he really sat there and looked at me and I saw his cogs moving <laughs> and he really started to understand. And this catapulted a huge conversation around our community, what they really need, this massive gap in the market and all these products and services that are made with a heteronormative lens. And he saw the, the opportunity in that. He thought that I was the right person to explore it. And very, very early on, he gave me a shot and he funded me. He gave me some, some angel investment. And through that, I started to demand test, talk to customers and figure out exactly where the best place was to start. Chloe, were you an entrepreneur before this? What is an entrepreneur? <laughs> there you go. There's a question. <laughs> I think that I was constantly questioning, um, I would say, and looking at problems and figuring out how I could solve them. In that case, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. Certainly though, I um, 
was a CFO. I started in finance. And, uh, and then I moved from London to New York to be an actor. I found acting, you know, I really think that it was linked to my gender journey. It felt like such an exploration of self. It felt like I could be anybody. I could dive into these characters. I started to learn about myself. I started to be more comfortable in my body um, or not, or specific parts of my body and realizing why that was. And it was just honestly like a bit of a lifeline for me. I would also just point out, Chloe, that to be an actor is to be an entrepreneur. The amount of hustle you need to embrace and the way that you need to continue to put yourself out there against rejection is the story of what it means to be an entrepreneur, I think. You're exactly right. It's a very tough industry to be in. But I was very lucky. I booked a few roles. I started to uh, enjoy different characters. I was on screen a little bit. Um, and I just noted that there were just no underrepresented people behind the camera. And this was at the time when we were really pushing for diversity on screen, which is much better, but certainly, you know, we're not there yet, but we're driving towards it. Um, and I thought, this is really weird because I'm on camera as a black non-binary person and the person that has written my lines and the person that has directed me and the person that is shooting me, in my experience, was a, a white cis heteronormative person. So that was my first sort of uh, dip into entrepreneurship. I decided to uh, set up my own production company. Our mission was to support underrepresented folks behind the camera. That was my very first business and it's still running today. That is amazing. And it's not at all surprising to me that you have multiple things happening at once. That too is the story of what it means to be an entrepreneur. So you could easily mistake for them as a company that sells a binder, but that is really just the on-ramp to a much bigger vision. Right, Chloe? Exactly. I think that I describe our mission as a push towards fluidity, expansivity, play. We aren't explicitly solving for dysphoria, which is what the binder primarily does, but rather encouraging and celebrating a path to euphoria on, on many different levels. Starting with this idea of redefining wellness was really important. Um, I think wellness is a bit of a buzzword and it certainly doesn't speak to our community. It's a bit triggering, if I can be honest, to our community. And so I really wanted to grab that word and say, what does it mean for me to be well as the person that I am? And it actually means lots of different things. And our company is trying to help folks, one, figure out what that means and then drive them towards that, those goals. As you are out there pitching this and growing the business, I'm curious, what kinds of questions do you get most frequently from people who are not in the community? Well, we touched on it a little bit, but certainly isn't this niche. Um, what is a binder? <laughs> it's the first thing when I say that we are our first product is a binder. Um, I think the biggest question we get recently is, is this a trend? Yeah. Which is, I think, a really complex question, right? My overarching answer to that is no. It is absolutely not a trend. But the nuances come in this huge revolution. When people see revolution and lots of young folks um, being free and wild and pushing outside of the binary, people think trend, right? And especially because there are lots of celebrities, this culture shift, 
his folks on the cover of Vogue dressed in a certain way. And I think people see this as a, uh, as a moment in time. And what I would say is that there's been this massive evolutionary pressure to conform, right? This idea of certainty and binaries and labels and what Gen Z, the, the younger generation are doing is, is yes, they're pulling against this in this moment. And they're leaning towards fluidity and the unknown and the ever evolving self. But this is something we've always tried to do. And this is the time when I think that we've been set free to do it. As I think about what a trend, it feels to me like the language that we use in any given moment, that might be trendy, that might come and that might go. How we describe what's going on will shift and will change. But what's going on has been going on for my entire lifetime. We have been moving up the spectrum of self-expression. And as we look toward the younger people coming up uh, ahead of us, putting myself out there a little bit, but like, I, I don't understand. I came out with a much more binary uh, set of labels that I was allowed to, invited to try on. And even I don't quite understand it. I just recognize it as something that I need to make space for and need to be patient with and inside of, because this is a way that the world is changing. And um, if I turn away from it because I don't understand it and deny it and say, well, it's going to go away over time, then I, I will be the one that's left behind, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel the same. You know, when I first came out, I did that with a very binary view. And honestly, a lot of our members and, and customers, the younger generation are teaching me that um, even in my label of non-binary, I can be really fluid. You know, I can be more masculine one day, more feminine the next. Um, I can change my pronouns if I want I can try on different things and see what feeds my soul um, and I think it's quite beautiful and quite wonderful but it can be scary for some folks and I think that that's what that's what society is feeling it's been really politicized um, and I think that, that, that our community have always had to sort of swim upstream <laughs> against all this yeah. conditioning and I love that I think that we're, we're this real hot pursuit of self-truth that we're driving towards is just so exciting and absolutely the right place to be. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Chloe, thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Thank you so much. We, uh, we worked through our little audio challenges here and there <laughs> and came out the other side. Yes, exactly. I really appreciate you, Jesse. Thank you. That was actor and entrepreneur Chloe Freeman. Check out their company, ForThem.com. And you can also see them on the latest season of New Amsterdam on NBC and Peacock. Chloe's story shows us that what someone might dismiss as niche is often a huge opportunity, if you're paying attention. And their coming out story is powerful, too. Let us know about your coming out experience. Drop us a line at hellomonday at linkedin.com. You can send us an email or even a voice memo. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. Sarah Storm, who uses the pronouns she and they, produces our show with mixing by Joe DeGiorgi. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is head of news production. Michaela Greer and Victoria Taylor embrace our full expressions of self. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. We'll be back next Monday. Thanks for listening. It's a fantastic show. It's really cool. Undercar is not binary, which is really, really dope. Is it a fun show? Is it a good cast? It's a fantastic cast. It's a really good, I would really recommend it. Even if I wasn't in it, I would recommend it.